You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Well, stand on your toes, on the balls of your feet, like a wrestler, ready for the Word of God from Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in holy scriptures. The gospel concerning his son, who was described from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we've received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including you yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all God's beloved in Rome, who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want you to know this morning that you belong right here. You belong at First Christian. Whether you're just stalking us online and have never set foot in the building, you belong with us. Whether this is your first time or second time visiting with us, or you've been coming here for years, you belong. And I want you to get that right at the outset. Because sometimes it's easy to feel like you don't belong. Now. I was born in Colorado, and at some point in my father's ministry, we were able to move back to his hometown and do ministry in Altus, Oklahoma. After that season was over, we returned to Colorado, and it was an unfortunate time for me to return to Colorado. I was in middle school, in the middle of middle school. You know the highlight of your life, middle school? And so when I moved back, I had kind of picked up this Oklahoma accent that everyone noticed. And so I would get asked, hey, hey, Brady, speak. Yeah, can you tell where he's from? It's easy to feel like you don't belong, even when you do, even when it's your state and where you're from. And I think all of us want to fit. We want to feel like we belong. We want that sense of community, that connection. It doesn't matter whether we're an adult with no hair or gray hair, or an adult that's dyeing our hair, wherever we're at, we want other people to connect with us. Now, I don't know what your approach is when you go somewhere new, how you enter a room full of strangers. Do you find yourself as a social butterfly, floating around, try to catch with many people and connect with them as you can to see who might be the one that you want to spend time with? Or if you're a butterfly, maybe you want all of them. Or do you find yourself kind of quietly entering a room, not drawing any attention? Maybe you warm up to some other people that are talking, and when you feel safe, speak up. You sit at a table where there's no one, so you can start a table and maybe someone will come join you. Or do you go where there's a little bit of space for you, where you can start that conversation that's just a one-on-one conversation? With our lives, There are times when we feel like we belong, we feel like we've got it together, and times when we don't. I mean, right now, there might be things in your life where you feel very much together. 
Maybe your job is together right now. Something in life that, that just is clicking. But then maybe there are other things in your life that feel disconnected. Maybe a relationship that's broken, a family that's given you some grief, a, a difficulty with a neighbor, or even something that's jolted you, shook you. Maybe your roommate is not who you want to be with. Whatever it is, something jolts you and makes it feel like you don't have your life together. Well, that's why I want us to, to fasten ourselves to this new series that starts today. A series called Together. I want us to have this sense of being connected to Jesus Christ, that we fit and we belong. Even when we have disruptions in our life, like a move or a car accident or a job change, we fit with Jesus. And in this series, as we look at being together, we're going to raise a lot of big questions. Paul's letter to the Romans raises a lot of big questions. Like, is God's plan really working? I mean, you look and it's kind of hard to find a corner of the universe where it seems like and feels like God's plan is working. Or a big question like, what do we do with people who have a different worldview than ours? A different philosophy? Maybe they even just wash the dishes differently than us. Can we stay in relationship with someone that washes the dishes differently than us? Or do we need to separate from one another? What about peace? How am I supposed to have peace with God when I don't often feel that same peace with myself? Or God, what... What about all this anger and judgment? What, what do we do with God's judgment? Or even if we look in the mirror and say, what am I supposed to do with my sin, with my mistakes, the things that I've done? And even more, what does God do with those mistakes and sins and trouble spots in my life? I want us to roll forward together, looking at this letter, understanding that we belong together with Christ. In fact, Paul writes us into this letter. In verse 6 that I just read, we are together belonging to Jesus Christ. Your name is written in there. Paul writes you in thousands of years ago, giving this promise not just to the Romans, but also to you. Wait, who, who is Paul again? Well, Paul was a guy who hated Jesus. He wished Christians were dead. Felt like they were a threat to his religion, to the way that he saw God and had followed God. And he wanted them gone. And that continued until he got smacked right between the eyes with a blinding light with the guy that he thought was dead, Jesus, who appears to him, not as a zombie, but real, living, breathing Jesus in light to tell him, hey, look, I am alive. And that disruption in Paul's life changed things for him. He began to see this world differently. And it shook him to the core where in that moment, he gets this calling, a calling from God to be commissioned not just to Jews, but to the whole world, to those that weren't Jews, to preach this good news. And so Paul is this stranger who has to introduce himself to a group of people that he's never met. And you're like, fine, fine. But really, who is Paul? Well, this letter that we open up today is the longest letter in the New Testament. 
It's the longest extant letter in the entire first century that we have. And he writes to a group of people for the first time that he didn't start as a church. He didn't establish them, didn't plant this church. And he has to introduce himself to us. And so some of us say, all right, well, fine. We don't know you, Paul. We haven't heard of you, but now we know a few things about you. And yet Paul's introduction is not as long-winded as mine. His is really short. If you look at how he introduces himself, he says, I'm Paul. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm called for the gospel of God. I'm sent for the gospel of God. I'm set apart for the gospel of God. That's it. He just says, I'm a slave. No resume, no references, doesn't toot his own horn. And this guy is full of common sense, lots of practical wisdom, well-trained and educated, says that he is a slave. Now these words of being called, to be sent, and to be set apart for the gospel, I, I have to wonder if he's not got a little tongue-in-cheek going on because we know he's a highfalutin Pharisee. He's someone who knows the law inside and out. He's in this special set-apart club. In fact, did you know that's what Pharisee means? Set-apart? Well, I think he's making a little joke here and saying, I'm not only set-apart as a Pharisee, I'm now set-apart and severed from the Pharisees. I'm a slave only to Jesus Christ for the gospel. What I like about this passage is that it takes complex truths about God and Jesus, and makes them simple. You get the whole letter in these seven verses. In fact, when you came in the door today, you got a little bookmark. Did you notice that? Kind of a little cardstock bookmark. One requirement I've got for you for this week, something that I'm asking, I guess I can't require it. I mean, you're, you're, you can say, I'm not doing it. Not going to do it. Well, you take this bookmark, and I would like you, when you go to bed at night, to read those seven verses. And when you get up in the morning, read those seven verses. So maybe this is a bookmark you lay on your pillow. So you see it there right when you climb into bed and you read those verses. And before your feet hit the floor to get out of bed to start the day, you just take a minute and you read these seven verses, these truths. I like how Paul makes profound things very simple and easy to grab onto. Now, it's a faith summary. It doesn't grab you like a catchy song. It has to sit with you a little bit. And in verse 3 and 4, we get the start of this gospel. It's a gospel about a son. Sounds kind of commonplace, you know, a son. And the description that's given in verse 3 is that this is a son that was born of David according to the flesh. All right, now we could just substituting somebody else's name, another father in there, and that's pretty much true of all of us. We could be a son or a daughter of a person born according to the flesh. No big surprise there. It's in verse 4 where he takes those words and he ramps them up. He amplifies them. No, not just born, but declared by God, established by God. Not just a son of David, but the son of God. This guy, Jesus, is God's kid. Not merely according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
The Spirit resurrected this guy back from dead, confirmed who he was. This thing that seems like no big deal is a big deal. Jesus is the divine deal, born as a son of God, declared by his resurrection to be the son of God, confirmed in that resurrection. And so Jesus is king and Messiah. He is the Roman Lord. And now our ears hear, king, what? Do we want a king? I mean, what American doesn't get a little repulsed at the thought of there being a king that they didn't know about who's somehow over them? We hear it with different ears, and so did they. Let me tell you two ways that their ears would have heard it. Jewish ears, when they hear gospel, this is nothing new to them. It's old hat for them. This was stuff that was talked about in the Old Testament and the prophets. The prophet Isaiah chapter 40, we, in verse 9, we get something of what this good news gospel is. Get up to a mountain herald and say, your God reigns. That's gospel. The fact that God reigns and rules is good news. Or in Isaiah 52, 7, we've got some feet up on a mountain that are beautiful and somehow they're proclaiming several things. Peace and good news and that God reigns. For the Jews, this is the message. They're a people that don't have a country. They're a people that don't have a king. They only have a past. They don't really have a present. They're occupied by Roman forces. So they hear this and they're like, well, this is great. We've got our king. We've got our Messiah. It's Jesus. Romans also hear this. Greeks hear this with a little different ears. I mean, they know what a son of God is. That's Caesar. That's the guy with the cape. That's the guy who sits on the throne in Rome, who rules the entire world from the empire of Rome. They know what good news is. That's when Caesar has a boy. The next Caesar is coming. That's the birthday of the Son of God. Whenever you call someone Lord, it's usually the Caesar, if not a God. So different people hear this differently. And they hear that Jesus is the one taking this Lord title, taking this title of Messiah. He's King and Lord together. So now we get to a surprising way that I'm going to bug you, maybe the first of many, this good news message is first and foremost an announcement that Jesus is the King, that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. It's an announcement. The good news is not first and foremost about how individuals get saved. Ah, now that's a little different, isn't it? It's an announcement that God has acted definitively through Jesus. It's not first and foremost a message of our response to that message. Now, whenever we look at these verses, when you are reading them this week, you're going to come across verse 2 through 4, and you'll see that announcement over and over again. In coming weeks, we'll look at verses 16 and 17, where we get this gospel about bringing folks into salvation, where this is our response. And it's power-packed where we learn about Jesus being the Messiah and the King. But I want you to know that the good news is about what God does, how God has acted in Jesus. It's not so much about our response to what God has done. Now, I've got to take us back to where we started. 
We started with me saying that, that you belong. We started with Paul saying, I'm a slave to this guy, King Jesus. He's the one that I follow. He's the risen Lord. And I go back to that start because he's established Jesus as the universal Lord and that we belong. In the same way that the Romans belong to Jesus, we belong as well. And Paul, that's been given grace and apostleship, says you've been given grace and apostleship. We're included in this call. Even in his greeting, grace and peace, he's bringing together Jews and Gentile. Grace, a word play on the common Greek greeting. Peace. The Hebrew word is shalom, the aloha for Jews, the hello and goodbye, blessing of peace, something that works in communicating what's happening to this world. And so when we come to this, we hear Paul saying, I belong and you belong. And that is the way that he chooses to introduce you. Now, I don't know if you're getting the big picture. I have a feeling that you're losing me and losing the impact of what Paul is doing in this. So I've got to go a little different direction here. What Paul is doing is rather strange. It would be like this. You move into a new place and you go next door to the guy that's been living there for 20 years and you go and you knock on the door. Hello, my name is Brady. And I just want you to know that you belong in this neighborhood. Yeah, I've been here for like 20 years. No, I want you to know that you belong. This is something that you can be a part of. The neighbor is confused. It's like a, a first day freshman. Have we got any high school freshmen? Yep, okay, so, so Pete, you, you show up at high school and you happen to see there the president, the senior of the honor society. And so Pete, this kind of sounds like Pete actually, goes up to this high school senior the president of the Honor Society says, hey, I just want you to know you belong in the Honor Society. You're president, and I want you to feel like you belong. Pete, as the first day, freshman year, saying that to a senior, and, and you have to wonder what the look is in the senior's eye of like, well, yeah, I know who I am, but who are you? Do you start to see the strangeness of what Paul is doing? He steps forward into a relationship with strangers. He doesn't necessarily lead so much with himself, but he tells them, you belong. You belong to Jesus Christ. And they may or may not grasp that truth, just like the people that are in our relationships may not grasp that truth. They may want to move from the neighborhood or switch lockers. Right? Go somewhere else that they don't want anything to do with a world where God is calling them into relationship. Now, with this little silly story, I'm trying to communicate the big picture. The big picture that affects how we interact with other people. That we let them know that they belong to God. It's not so much about us and our credentials. We're slaves of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. That's who we are. It's, no, it's not about us having a weird conversation at the locker room. That's not what it's about. We want them to get that they belong. And this is important because a lot of times when we think about belonging or togetherness, we think about our own feelings. Do I feel like I belong? Do I have the right accent? Am I wearing the right clothes? 
Am I carrying myself in the right way? Do I listen to the right kind of music? Do I have the right friends? Do I have the right bank account, right? We think about those things and we miss that it's not about our feelings. It is a fact that we belong to God in Jesus Christ and everyone we meet belongs to God. And we can extend that to others to honor them, to draw them closer to God. You see, God brought this story to us. By coming as Jesus, God in the flesh, Jesus arrives inside of creation. Think about that. Spend your life thinking about that. That this God has fastened God's self to this world, not contained within it, but definitely revealed in it. A point in history. And the spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead is a spirit that hasn't abandoned this world. It's a spirit that wants to reside in you. To let you know that you are not alone, that you belong. Taking up that permanent re residence. God's love is dangerous and risky for him to express that kind of togetherness. And so I want us to remember as we look at these verses this week, as they lie on your pillow, that this Good news is not just some bit of content where you better believe this to be with us. No, it's more like this is the best thing going. This is something that you're a part of that you don't even realize at this point. You should try it. You should be a part of this story because we are people of faith. Faith that what God has done in the past will heal our past. That the things that God has in store for us, the hope that we have of what God will do, releases us from fear about what's going to happen to us in the future. And our ability to love in the present moment, to love others and to love God, is confidence in what God is doing in this present moment. Folks, you belong. Let's pray. God, we thank you that our belonging is not tied to anything other than you. We thank you that you have reached out in a move of togetherness through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit to connect yourself with us. And we thank you for that good, no great news that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. Father, would you help us this week as we pour through these words to remember that this is a good news that we can extend to other people by the way that we act, by the way that we carry ourselves, and the way that we include others in the work that you're doing in this world. Father, I pray a special prayer of blessing over all of our students and teachers as they go back to school, as they find their way through hallways, through assignments, through difficult people. I pray that you will help them and help us to know that we belong. We thank you for the life that we share together in Jesus' name. The Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit is one God now and forever. Amen. Amen.